Hi everyone. My name is Josh Extra Barbecue Hafkin, and this is Understanding Esports with Game Gym. The goal of this podcast is to help make esports and gaming more relatable by telling the stories of the people who work and play in the industry. Everyone who ends up in esports has a winding journey, and there is no typical path. I'll be talking to our guests and asking them how they got their starts, what moments impacted them along their way, and the advice that they have for gamers, entrepreneurs, parents of gamers, and those looking to learn more about the industry. So don't worry if you aren't an esports person. I'm here to help you understand what's going on. You can learn more about Game Gym and our mission at www.gamegym.com, and you can let me know your thoughts on our discussion on Twitter at Extra Barbecue. So let's get into it. This is Understanding Esports. Today, we are joined by Nathan Limberg, formerly the VP of Sales at Twitch and now the Director of Commercial Gaming at Super Awesome. Nate, how's it going, man? Welcome to the podcast. Good, Josh. Thanks for having me, man. Excited to be here. I'm excited too, man. You are one of the oldest uh, friends that I have in this industry, you, uh, you know, I've, I've kind of been uh, in the periphery watching all the cool things that you've been doing. And it's been awesome to, to you know, see your career trajectory and, and see the success. But before we get into your story, we're going to start with some rapid fire questions and, uh, you know, get to know a little bit of like, you know, some other things about you. So um, some people right. like this question. Some people hate this question, but Desert Island. You're bringing one book, one movie, and one album. What are they? Ooh. Um, Book-wise, uh, I will probably, uh, I will, I will cop out, and I will say, uh, you know, the David Eddings series. Uh, if I have to pick one, I'll probably pick the first one, Pawn of Prophecy. But um, his his uh, Belgariad and, and Malorian series are some of my favorite uh, art, you know, books ever. Um, so really, really dope on that. Um, you know, I, it's really hard not to do Star Wars. Um, I know it's a really cliche one, um, but I can watch A New Hope every day for the rest of my life and be just wide-eyed and, and super excited. Um, what was the last one? Is it musical album? Yep, album. Album. Oh, man. Uh, you know, uh, there's a number of them that I, that I enjoyed. Um, and, and it's not my favorite type of music, but it is one of my favorite albums back to front is, uh, is the Slim Shady LP, um, by, uh, by Eminem. His, that album to me is just front to back. It just plays right. And like, I can, I can listen to the whole thing. It all kind of weaves together. Uh, obviously it's very topical between you and I are talking before the Super Bowl, Um, but, uh, that's one of my favorite, um, just complete albums uh i think you know top to bottom there's a couple of runner up there's some pink floyd in there and there's some you know dave matthews and stuff like that but uh if i have to pick one i would would go with that i love it i mean he's one of the greatest rappers of all time those are those are legendary albums um and that kind of leads me into question two who's winning the super bowl on sunday Ooh man uh you know at the beginning uh i was very convinced that it wasn't going to be a game that you know that that one team was vastly superior to the other um and then i saw that the Bengals are playing for harambe and i feel like i can't go against harambe so i'm gonna have to go Bengals uh on this because they're playing for harambe uh that that made it an easy easy choice for me wow no no gorilla has received such you know post-mortem <laughs> love than, than this one but hashtag um, not gambling advice, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. And then uh, the last one, um, you know, just a- a- NFTs in general. What what are your feeling on them? Like, are you are you buying? Are you selling? Is this is this the future? Is this something that we should should wait on? What's going on in the NFT world from a very high level? In your in your thoughts? 
I mean, it, it's, it's it's day one, right? It's it's the beginning. Um, there's a lot of stuff out there that won't last, won't stay. Uh, the the price point has gotten easy to get in. I think that is good and bad because it allows people to come in. It allows people to experience. Um, you know, I've been a buyer. I've been a selective buyer. I'm very focused on the functionality of the NFTs and what are they doing? Like, yes, is it cool to have a an image? Yes, but I have paintings in my house like that I've paid a lot less for than, you know, 100 Ethereum. Uh, and so I think that, you know, from my perspective, I like the space. I think it's interesting. I'm all about innovation and, and the democratization of assets and stuff like that. I think there's a lot of value that can come with this. Um, and I, 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 you know, I'll give I'll give Gary V some credit because he says some really smart things in this space. But you know, throughout human history, humans have bought things to show their stature, and most of the time, those things have real world value. Sometimes they don't. Um, sometimes those real world values are overinflated. Uh, but I think that as you look forward to, you know, the Web3, the democratization of the internet and the ability for people to have ownership in things in a controlled virtual environment, I mean, it, it, it's going to be the future. Is, is this the future right now? No. Just like websites started popping up in the late 90s and early 2000s. Uh, and then, you know, just valiantly and, and spectacularly crashed. Uh, I think the same thing will happen with NFTs and, and with crypto and stuff like that. There will be a reckoning, um, but reckonings breed some of the best innovation out there, right? If you look at um, the crash of, of the 2000s, it led to you know Amazon and Google and some of these incredible companies with great business plans, really smart ideas coming to the forefront. And so I, I, I am excited for what NFTs can do overall. I'm excited for the business moving forward. Um, you know, I, every once in a while, things surprise me. Uh, like last week, I decided to mint uh, a Paris Hilton NFT. Um, I never thought I would say that in 2022 uh, when I'd be excited about that. But I, I did something with the uh, 888 Inner Circle Group. And, um, you know, just excited about it. Every time I'm every time I do it, I learn something new. I learn about functionality. I learn from smart people, um, and so a lot of it seems like a little bit of a price to get in and to understand and to kind of spot the ones that are pump and dump and the ones that are building for the for the long term. That was a fantastic answer. I think I'll sum it up by saying cautiously optimistic. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I think that uh, this is a space that. It has so much potential. Uh, I would say that if, you know, it, it is going to be the future, what future remains to be decided, uh, but it has a very good upside. I think it's just something that I would put my life savings in right now, unless, you know, unless I had that, that sports almanac from, uh, from back to the future, right? And I knew it was going to happen. Um, I, I would put my entire life savings into it yet, um, but I see it being a huge, huge value. That makes a lot of sense. I, I look forward to uh, exploring the future with you. Uh, it's going to be awesome. So let's go back in time now. Um, let's go back in, into the, you know, the days before NFTs. Let's talk about Little Nate. What was Little Nate up to? Um, and what, what were you, you know, passionate about as a kid? Like, what did you want to grow up to be? Like, what were your thoughts and hopes as you were kind of, you know, as a kid and then starting to navigate through, through high school? Yeah, I mean, it's funny, right? You you <clears throat> you have a tendency to like pre-predict your life uh, at a young age of like, oh, I'm going to do this, I'm going to be that. And I think it's great to have those goals and aspirations. Um, you know, little Nate uh, was all over the place. Uh, he was a, he was an off the wall, uh, enthusiastic uh, sports player. Loved playing video games. Didn't see them as mutually exclusive. Uh, and you know, I, I was a very active and, and energetic guy. Um, I had my, my first quote unquote job, uh, was selling ice cream for one of the not, uh, not for profits, uh, in my hometown of Norwich, Vermont. And, uh, I would sell ice cream for you know good humor, ice cream for a dollar and $2 an item. And I'd work a three hour shift. Uh, one day I worked a six hour shift. That was a big deal. And, uh, and I set the record. I sold almost $200 of ice cream in one day. Um, and that was a pretty good indication of, uh, of what young Nate was capable of in terms of salesmanship. Uh, and, you know, and just kind of doing those things. And 
uh, you know, going into high school, I was always someone that wanted to be doing things, wanted to be involved. Um, you know, my first job, uh, I was so excited. I got to work at a video store. <laughs> I'm sure for a lot of the audience, they're like, a what? Yes. Yeah. Like a Blockbuster-esque type store. Um, I worked the Sunday shift, which was just returning videos and rewinding them and putting them back on the shelf. That was my job for six, eight hours on Sundays. Um, but I also, you know, I played basketball. I was on the cross country team. Uh, I played baseball. I was a big fan of, of, of sports and, and really wanted to be in sports. And I got my first radio job in uh, my senior year of high school. I got an internship uh, and I spent time working in radio uh, and really, really loved that. Wanted to be on Sports Center. wanted to be the, you know, the next Stuart Scott or the next Kenny Main. Uh, and that was really what attracted me to go to a communication school. Um, and so I ended up going to Ithaca uh, to be in communication. And I, I got there and I jumped into radio. I jumped into television. I went all full bore. Uh, and it was great. I, I got a degree in sport media. Uh, I won some awards. I got to work on, uh, you know, Ithaca's uh, radio station's flagship programming of Countdown of the Weekend on ICB. Uh, I got, you know, I, I won a, a sports broadcasting award for work on some of the Bombers football and stuff like that. I actually uh, <clears throat> was the second outlet <laughs> that announced that Eagles had uh, parted ways with Terrell Owens because Sal Palantonio was at Ithaca uh, for his daughter for Parents Weekend, and I was the play-by-play -play guy for Bombers football for that weekend. And Sal decided to stop by the booth and say hi. And uh, goes, oh yeah, I just cool. got off the call with uh, with with ESPN, and uh, Terrell Owens is leaving the Eagles. <laughs> it was like, oh, and so yeah, I mean that that was my, you know, that was my foray into what I wanted to do and what I wanted to be, and I had really really high aspirations of being in broadcasting and being a broadcaster, uh, and then I graduated, had a full time job in Ithaca you know, as a country music uh, afternoon drive DJ. Wow. Uh, and, uh, and, and, I, and I realized very quickly of like, A, how little those jobs pay um, and how passion focused you need to be. Um, but also, I, you know, I had a cute girl that I had been dating in college and she was moving out to San Francisco to go work for The Gap and said, hey, you know, I don't want to do long distance. So it's okay. We can, you know, we won't be dating for a little while, um, but I'm going to California. <laughs> And so uh, I picked up and I, and I went out to California. And that was uh, the end of my broadcasting career uh, to, a certain, to a certain aspect. Um, and it, wow. was, it, it, was, it was scary. It was scary moving out to a place like California, don't know anybody, um, you know, living in a small 600-square-foot apartment. <laughs> you, really, you really learn quickly if you like somebody, if you could live in a 600-square-foot apartment for more than a year. Um, and, you know, and I, I just, I, I bet on myself and I said, I'm good enough. I'm like, I can do this. Uh, I got a job at Universal McCann uh, who was doing, you know, advertising work for Microsoft. Uh, I worked on some really, really sexy assets like SQL servers and internet security and their system center solution. Uh, but it was actually a fantastic experience to learn how to market, how to advertise the right way. Like you have a very niche target audience. How do you, you know, use data and information to make a smart decision about how to reach those people in the right environment? How do you learn their likes and dislikes? It was actually a very, very uh, valuable training uh, for me to be able to you know, move my way into learning exactly the inner workings of how agencies work how advertising works, right? And how clients, uh, you know, define KPIs. Um, so that's kind of where I, where I rolled up uh, and that kind of started the journey towards, towards gaming and esports. Wow. It's, I mean, there's so many, so many things I want to dive into there, but there's so much more I want to get to. You know, it's amazing. We've talked about albums, Blockbuster, and at a time when somebody could tell you something without you being worried that it was going to go out on Twitter. So we're really you know, kind of dating ourselves here. But, um, you know, the thing that I really want to focus on, I think it is your decision to move. I think that, you know, for one of the things that I'm seeing in this esports industry is that, you know, the 
opportunities might not be in your neighborhood or in your or in your you know city or region and i think that um you know taking those risks putting yourself out there um you know going to a new city wherever it may be to to pursue something usually people are rewarded for their bravery in those situations and i know that there's a lot of you know young esports folks sitting at home who are debating do i move to la do i do i do do i take that job and you know i would say a lot of times can you know take take the jump you know if you leap the net will appear and um and you know even if you kind of stumble when you're in that new spot you'll find you know something you'll find where you're supposed to be and so let's talk a little bit about that so you moved to california how did you then find your way into this esports world after working in broadcast oh wait before i did you have a radio name that was the thing that i wanted to ask you your country like at home were you like hey it's here with big rig or like what you know like <laughs> yeah i was uh, uh so i had two shifts i had a midday show that i voice tracked um so i, I pre-recorded it every day uh while i was in college um it was middays on their light rock station so it was light rock 97.3 fm um and then my country name uh which was afternoons on the country station it was q country uh 1057 and it was nate nate taylor nate taylor was your was your was your afternoon country guy uh and it was it was a ton of fun man like you know i would say that if money was no object um which i think we all wish that was the case uh being able to just for four hours a day you know take a microphone and talk into it and have music and just interact with people and have a good time like it is there is no better opportunity and no, no more no more fun thing than talking on the radio and, and having that interaction with the audience and the community. Um, but yeah, Nate Taylor, um, which ironically, uh, Taylor is now my daughter's middle name uh, as a as an homage to the days of, of radio broadcasting. So uh, my wife thought very long and hard about that and felt that it was a, you know, just a, a again, a, a cool thing to do um, to memorialize that time and how important it was you know, with, with the friends that I have, with the, the relationship that I'm in, you know, all those things, a lot of that came out of both Ithaca, but also that love for broadcast and that, that love for broadcasting. And most of my friends are all professional broadcasters across the country in radio and television. Um, so I, I still stay involved and, and, and aware, but, uh, you know, all my friends are like, yeah, so what about that fake job that you have, like with Metaverse, like esports? Uh, it's, it's definitely, uh, I'm definitely the, the person who's way out in front, uh, with, within my friend's group. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Well, you know, everybody at, at home got to, you know, hear my ADD in action there, but I'm glad that we were able to touch on that because, uh, Nate Taylor is pretty special. So, um, well, so, you know, now let's get back to, you know, your, your career. So mm -hmm. how did you get that from this broadcast world to the East? Yeah, I mean, it wasn't easy, and it was it was kind of unusual. And I I will say, like, you know, having some support is is great. But the the thing that you'll realize is that, um, you know, getting outside your comfort zone, uh, is un is is uncomfortable by by design, right? That's the whole point. But I, when you do it, when you force yourself to do new things, when you open yourself up to the potential and possibility, it's, you'll, you'll be surprised what you're capable of. And um, not having food is a great motivator, right? You know, having a, a bank account that's almost to zero uh, can really motivate you to figure things out. And I think that, you know, a lot of times it's about making connections, help, you know, like helping people being transparent being a good person all those things play a really valuable I, I think part of you know how you as an individual build yourself and build your your own business over time right we're all free agents we're all working for different companies but your personal brand is what's most important and what i learned very quickly was you never know who's going to help you with what's next and you never know what conversations are going to lead to other things that are going to happen. And one of the things for me is that I always was, I always benefited from relationships with people that never mattered in the moment, but at some point in time mattered. 
And I think it's really valuable to keep that in mind of, of as you're having success or as you're building it, or even if you're just meeting people for the first time, right? Being curious, being polite, being professional, uh, all of those things lead to value over time. It's hard. It's not always pleasant. Um, it's not always easy to have to put on a face and be like, hey, how are you doing today? How are, how's things with you, right? Um, but at the end of the day, like you never know who's going to help you moving forward. And, and I, I benefited directly from that because I spent my time at Universal McCann. I wanted to work on the Xbox business. Um, and the Xbox business moved from New York to San Francisco. My dream, I was so excited. I was like, I want to do this. I want to be a part of this. They picked other people to work on the business. And it devastated me to not be able to work because I was like, this is so cool. I want to I work on this. And I was like, no, no. You're not, you're, you're, you're too low on the totem pole right now. There's other people that want to work on new business. You're going to, you're going to, you're not going to work on this. And it, it devastated me. Um, but I had a boss, you know, who, of mine who, who came to me and she said, Hey, you know, listen, you're, you're a salesperson. And I was like, ah, nah, not a salesperson. Like I say, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't flip used cars. Like that's not what I, and she's like, no, no, you have the personality, you have the mind, you have the enthusiasm. She's like, you are going to be a great salesperson you need to go be a salesperson. And, you know, it, 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 that hit me pretty hard. It was just like out of the blue, just like someone in a leadership role at my company being like, you need to do this. And so what happened was I ended up talking with one of my sales reps at a company called IDG. And IDG owned Computer World and Network World and IT World and all these like really niche publications. This was back when print was a bigger thing. And they, the, the, the VP of sales there, Sean Weglidge, uh, you know, I, I, I brought it up with him. I was like, hey, man, like, I'm thinking I got to do something in, in sales. And he was like, you know what? I'm glad to hear that because one of our sister publications is looking for an account executive and you'd be a perfect fit for that. And I was like, oh, OK, cool. I was like, I don't know if I really want to sell like computer world. He goes, no, no, no. It's Game Pro magazine. And I was like. I, I read Game Pro magazine growing up. Like, this is exciting. This is really cool. Like, what do you, you mean? Like, you mean I can convince people to buy ads in a magazine that like I enjoy reading and I like I like? This is this is amazing. Yes, sign me up. So I interviewed. I got the job, uh, and that was my first really my first job in gaming was was an account executive role at Game Pro, and I was so excited. I was supporting uh, a regional seller in uh, the L.A. Texas market. And I got there, it was my first day on the job, and I went through, I sat down, my rep flew up from LA, she brought me coffee, I was super excited. She's like, cool, you go to your, you know, your introductory training and stuff like that, you're onboarding, I'll see you at lunch, and we'll go from there. And I was like, awesome, cool. And so we do that, I come back, we have lunch, she's like, cool. So I just gave my notice, I'm leaving in two weeks, <laughs> and yeah, good luck. And so uh, I took over the sales territory with zero sales experience, some agency experience, um, for about eight, nine months before they could actually replace her uh, within the group. Um, and it was daunting, but it was such an incredible opportunity to be someone that everybody expected nothing from. Anything I delivered was good. And it was a really, really, you know, for me, it was a really fun way to learn by experience. And I dove into it. I, I had no idea what I was doing. I went on sales calls and I was like, hi, guys. I just really think you should buy this product. And like, let me talk to you about why I like it as a personal reader. Let me, and, I, and I just threw it out there. I was like, I'm not, I'm not a great salesperson right now, but I want to help your brand succeed by utilizing my marketing vehicles. And it, it, it worked. I built a really nice piece of business down there. We had some really great wins and successes. Um, I was able to build a great partnership with 7-Eleven where we helped to co-publish uh, magazines in 7-Eleven uh, with GamePro's kind of editorial pedigree and stuff like that. Uh, and it was, it was just, it was a great experience. And the people there were so nice to me. They were so accommodating and helpful, right? Of like, hey man, it's cool. You know, just, just keep hustling. Um, but yeah, I mean, I was flying down to LA three or four times a month, you know, just getting meetings, pounding the pavement, talking to people. Uh, but I, le I learned so much and it was great. 
Um, unfortunately, print magazines do what print magazines do, and the magazine no. folded, oh. and uh, I ended up out of a job, and I ended up moving to a, uh, a social media platform uh, called High Five. Uh, they were the third largest <laughs> social media platform. It was like Facebook, wow. right? It was like Facebook, MySpace, and then it was like, ooh, high five. Um, and, three, baby. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, it was a, it was a distant three. It was a distance three. Um, but it was, a, it was incredible to have that opportunity. Uh, to be able to do that. And I worked there for, for 90 days and I didn't pass my 90 day uh, period. And I learned that if you go work somewhere and you don't want to have lunch with a single person at the company, it's not a good fit. And that was really, really valuable for me. Um, and there were some executive leaders there that I, I got, I, I was very close with, that, that I still am very close with. Uh, who I very much appreciated, but they were executive leaders and <laughs> they're not having lunch with me. Um, sure. And so it was a good learning experience. But what ended up happening was my clients uh, at the agency that was handling Activision Blizzard at the time, well, Blizzard at that time, um, reached out to me and they said, hey, you know, there's this startup that's really big in World of Warcraft. They're looking for some good sellers. We think you're a good seller. Why don't you go take this job? And I was interviewing with EA at the time for a job on EA's sales team. And EA offered me a coordinator position, higher base pay, no commission. Um, this startup, Curse, offered me lower base pay, but a higher total package, right? More in, in commission and so that. I was going to be a regional sales manager. And I was like, okay, I'm in. Let's do it. Uh, so I jumped into it. I pushed through and I said, I'm going to, I'm going to, figure out how to be, you know, I'm going to be an, uh, a regional sales manager. I'm going to dominate these accounts. I'm going to build a big book of business. I'm going to, I'm going to go out there and work hard. And I was there for three months, three and a half months. <laughs> and uh, the CEO guy was a couple years younger than me at the time, still is. Um, he fired the entire sales group, <laughs> except for me and like two other people. And he was like, all right, we're, re we're redoing this. Nate, you're in charge. Okay, like go figure it out. Like, oh, uh, okay, all right. Wow. Like, and, and but again, like it goes back to the same situation I had at GamePro, where it's like, okay, I don't. There, like, no one expects anything from me, right? I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a VP of sales with, with now like, hey, with no, with barely any staff, but also just like, you know, no experience. And so I was very cheap for a VP of sales, uh, but I was also, you know, able to really uh, make mistakes and learn and do things. And we built that team from three people uh, in 2010 to when I left in 2015, we had 32 people. Wow. We built the, we built the business. We, we, uh, we opened up offices in, in seven different cities um, across North America, Europe, and, 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 uh, and Australia. And, you know, we went from a, you know, a $10 million business to a 60, $65 million business, uh, in the, in that time frame, And it was, it was great. It was just so phenomenal to be a part of that. Uh, and to just, you know, get in there and, and we, we built an esports team. We built a YouTube MCN, we built a VOIP technology. Like we just did everything. And it was so much trial and error and, and just like collaboration with the executive leadership team. It was just, it was one of those environments that you just really enjoyed. Right. And, and, you know, when I left and I had the opportunity to go to EA, right, that's a real safe pick, right? Like Electronic Arts is a great company. Going to work for them is like it's guaranteed business, it's guaranteed, you know, they're not going anywhere, that kind of thing. Startup could be very scary. Um, sure. But I don't, I, don't, I don't regret it for an instant. And, and, and my wife, who was always so supportive of me, made the comment. She's like, listen, you know, you're 27. She's like, you have your whole life to fix any mistakes that you make now. She's like, so go go for the upside. Like, you know, buy the buy the small like the penny stock, and like ride it, see what happens. And it was it, you know it's it's incredible advice, and it's advice that I would encourage people as well. Is like, you don't have to become a VP by the time you're 30 to be successful in life. And if anything, you should jump into the opportunities for high trajectory growth, 
because it will lead you to so much more uh, than going to big established places that are going to be very slow in terms of your growth and your value over time. And, and so, you know, if you have that opportunity and you have that ability to jump into it, do it because it leads to incredible things. And, and you know, when, when Twitch reached out to me, it was the second time they had called me. First time they called me was before the acquisition by Amazon. The second time they called me uh, was actually, you know, it was post-acquisition, but it was a for a role that was within their sponsorships team, this new business that was like going to create new revenue sources, which is great. And, and, it, and it was like, okay, you know, there's all this media money over here, but we think there's sponsorship money and we'd like people to go out and get that sponsorship money. Uh, and so I started out, uh, you know, with nothing, no team, zero dollars. Uh, and we just went out there and attacked it. We had, we were selling the Capcom Pro Tour, <laughs> which wow. was, which was, uh, you know, which we, that. it's still going. It, it's, it's, it, and it's, it's, it's incredible. I love it. Totally. Um, and, and FGC is, it still has an incredibly special place in my heart. Uh, I just love the audience. I love the people. I love just the grittiness of the space. Um, we started out selling that. Um, the first deal I ever closed at Twitch was the Totino's Esports Championship Series, where they got to sponsor Hearthstone and Heroes of the Storm and uh, CPT uh, finals for all three of those, and then ESL One New York. And we sold that deal, and and like that was that was the first major deal I had sold in the space, and it was so empowering, so exciting. But uh, no one knew. No one knew esports in 2015. It was like everyone was talking about it, but no one understood it. No one really had a, a, a key understanding of what it was going to be. Um, but I never would have gotten that job at Twitch if it wasn't for the fact that people in my network reached out to the Twitch team and said, hey, you should hire Nathan. He's, he's exceptional. And if you're trying to build a business, this is the guy that can build a business. Uh, and, and that was, you know, that's always been a very fortunate part of my career is that like, again, the people that you work with, you never know when it's going to be helpful and valuable for you on, on these roads. Um, and yeah, that, that's kind of, you know, where I ended up at Twitch and, and was there for, for six and a half years. We built an incredible sponsorships team. Uh, mm -hmm. It's now called Twitch Properties. Uh, we, you know, we had, I was just watching uh, Twitch Rivals, uh, the Streamer Bowl event that they did, the third edition. Uh, which is just an incredible moment for everybody involved. Um, and we just were able to, you know, build some really incredible and valuable things that not only are great for advertisers, but if you look at the value for creators, you know, like we did a lot of great work to make the economy for people who want to independently monetize their passion. We made a great service for that. And, and that was something that I've always was was super proud of, was our ability to then deliver value back to not just corporate Amazon overlord, but also really give money back to, to where uh, the people who are creating the, the content themselves, uh, which is always a big, big part of what I did. So that's, yeah, I mean, that, that's kind of where we, we went to from there. And, you know, a lot of trial and error, a lot of trial and error. Totally. I think, you know, you, you, you said so many like valuable, like amazing nuggets in there. You know, I just kind of like, I want to talk about super awesome, um, you know, before we have to run out of here. But, you know, the things that I, I the things that were standing out to me uh, that I just want to recap for, you know, if there's kids listening at home relationships. You know, you have to develop those relationships, network and, and not, you know, just go out for drinks to people, meet people. It doesn't have to be, you know, because you're trying to close the deal today that you're doing that. You never know you know, when being nice to somebody, when, you know, just taking a, an informational interview or something like that's going to come back and, and help you in your career or in, in your personal life. So, you know, that was a, a big one that I saw. The other ones, um, you know, get comfortable being uncomfortable. I feel like that's a, a big one in, in this kind of un, unstructured world. Um, there's a lot of, of uncomfortableness that you're going to have to deal with, and we have to be ready for that. Um, Cut, like last two points where you know you get th thrown into things and this to me while everybody takes a different path in esports this is probably the common thread it's that you get thrown into a role or you get elevated to a role and you have to figure it out and you either sink or swim and i think that the cream rises to the top 
and um, and you get people who can do it and you get people who can't. Uh, but I think that one of the things that from, you know, somebody who does a fair amount of hiring, I'm never going to look at somebody's resume and say, well, how, why didn't you go for that safe choice? Like, you know, why, you know, you know, you, you worked at this company and then it failed, you know, startups have risk, you know, chances take risk. And I think that, um, at least from my perspective, I would never look at a resume with anybody who has, um, you know, a startup that they, you know, took a risk on, went on that adventure and it maybe didn't work out. I would never look at that as a negative. If anything, I would look at that as a positive. So I just wanted to recap a couple of those big points that I thought, I thought you were, you were making, and I just wanted to drive them home for everybody. Yeah, I think it's, that it's really good. That last point too, about just, you know, it's about experience and, you know, not every, not no one's life is perfect. No one's career goes exactly the right way, but it's how you talk about that. It's what you take from it. That's important. We've all had a crappy job. <laughs> We've all had, you know, a situation that we were just, you know, we, we didn't like, we didn't enjoy. And it's not, it's not about bad mouthing that company. It's about saying, Hey, I learned a lot about me. I learned a lot about the per- type of person I am and I wanted to be and the environments that I wanted to be passionate about. And that's one of the big reasons why I'm not out selling sofas right now, because I'm not passionate about selling that. I like selling gaming. I like video games. I don't love it. I like it. I love golf. Um, but I would never sell golf because I don't want, <laughs> I don't want my, my side passion, my, you know, my uh, way to decompress to, involve, you know, to make its way into my work, because I wouldn't want what happens at work to frustrate me on within the world of golf. Uh, but I love gaming and, and, and gaming connects people in so many different ways. I have groups that I play games with on mobile, on desktop, on console, and it's a great way to stay in touch with people. Um, the last thing I will say is on these topics is uh, Ithaca alum, we're very proud, Bob Iger, um, had a very famous uh, keynote at USC, a couple of, this is probably eight or 10 years ago now, I think. Um, where he just made a very astute observation of like, don't let your current self predetermine where you're going to end up and be, be open and willing to change. And I think it's a really valuable thing because a lot of people say to themselves, I'm going to do this, this, you know, a lot of 20 year olds, 18, 22, whatever are like, this is who I'm going to be. And the problem with that is that you don't know what life's going to be like in 10 years. You don't know what life's going to be like in 20 years. And so it's okay to deviate. It's not okay to sacrifice your dreams and your aspirations and just kind of go with the flow so that you can kind of get to where you think you want to be. Uh, Because 10 years ago, none of us were talking about NFTs. None of us were talking about the metaverse. Uh, Very few of us were talking about (laughs) esports. And, and, you know, certainly collegiate graduate Nathan was not thinking of a world where competitive video games was a thing, was a business, was an industry. And if I had said to myself, I'm going to be a broadcaster and I'm going to suck it up and I'm going to stay in Ithaca, my entire life would be vastly different and could be, could still be great. But by not predetermining my life, by being open to new decisions and new opportunities and trusting my gut of like, hey, this, this kind of feels right. I am where I am today. And it's really important for you to not be against new opportunities because it's not, quote unquote, on your path. Wow, that was, that was powerful, man. I think, you know, no, no summary really needed. That was, that was just really, uh, that was great. I think, you know, hopefully, you know, folks at home take that to heart, man. You you follow a path as long as it is it benefits you and then, you know, follow a new path. You know, whatever is working in your direction. Um so uh one of the things I want to do before we get out of here, I, I want to talk to you about this new role. I want people mm. to understand what super awesome is, um, you know, how the the metaverse interacts with this. You know, maybe maybe we could start off with you know, what is your idea or, or how do you explain the metaverse and then how it interacts with what you're now doing at this new role? Yeah, I mean, uh, full disclosure, I'm brand new. So it is, uh-huh. uh, it is incredibly difficult to 
uh, you know, to be able to get too deep into what I, there's a lot of things what I want to do, uh, exactly what I can do and stuff like that will certainly be made aware to me soon. Uh, but what, what it's, you know, attracted me to Super Awesome in general is just they have a very strong mission statement of, you know, they want to make the internet a safer place, especially for young audiences. And I, I just, I, I gravitated to that real quick. It's a, it's very crisp, clean, obvious. Um, and it, it was, it's something that, again, they started out as a media company. They've been acquired by Epic Games. Uh, and so, you know, they're helping to figure out, uh, you know, the best way to connect with Gen Z and, and even to a certain extent, Gen Alpha. And that to me is an incredibly exciting challenge, a very ambiguous solution right now. Uh, and, you know, when you look at things like the metaverse, uh, it, the metaverse is an idea and is an ex it's the idea of a virtual environment um, that can replicate real life uh, in certain ways, but can be a fun, interactive environment. It's a universe that is always persistent, uh, that is always evolving, uh, but is a, a natural place uh, of, of engagement and, and activation. And so there are many metaverses out there, despite uh, what Facebook and Meta are doing. Uh, there are many metaverses out there. Many of them right now are innately defined by the gaming engines that are out there. So, um, you know, gaming metaverses are the most popular right now. Minecraft, Roblox, uh, Fortnite uh, has, has, is building one. And so what, I, what excited me about coming to Super Awesome was the opportunity to help figure it out. Um, if there are people walking around saying that they are metaverse experts, you should run the other way because no one can be an expert on the metaverse. People can be experienced in the metaverse, but no one is an expert. In fact, no one is, there's still no experts on esports. And I will, I will hold to that, Josh, that there are no experts in esports. There are just people who are more experienced than others. Uh, because we still don't know how all of it's going to work. It's still evolving, uh, and there are still lots of limitations to what it could be. Uh, so joining Super Awesome was, was really important for me, you know, both personally and professionally, uh, to have the opportunity to figure out, you know, when it comes to 9- to 16-year-olds, you know, how do we build a better internet for them? How do we create an environment that is safe, that is inclusive, that is empowering? Uh, these are all things that, uh, you know, having children will <laughs> will make you acutely aware of and, and certainly interested in. But I also just love the ambiguity of where it is right now. And a lot of people, when I decided to leave, were like, whoa, like, you know, you're, you know, you're one of the goats of esports, which is not accurate. I am, I am like, I'm the second generation of esports OGs uh, at best. Um, but people are, why would you, why would you leave esports? Like it, it's just finally getting there, and it's like, well, yeah, but I, I don't, I don't want to work in a world that's tightly defined. I don't want to work in an environment that is, is, is figured out and solved, and, and is all about, uh, you know, dollars and cents and, and growing and making big deals and stuff like that. I want to make a difference in what's happening. Uh, so I go back to my best practices. I go back to who I am and what I do, and. I spent a lot of time over the holidays thinking about that and thinking about like, yeah, do I, am I going to leave <laughs> all that I've built, right? With Twitch Rivals, with Twitch Gaming, TwitchCon. Like we've built an incredible portfolio at, at Twitch. And at the end of the day, I said to myself, you like to build. You like to be out at the forefront. You like to live and, and sail in a sea of ambiguity. I say that a lot to people. Um, and so that's, that's what attracted me to go do this. And when I became honest with myself of, yes, I could stay at Twitch for a long time and be comfortable and successful and, you know, inspiring still, but is that all I want? Is that all I want to do? Do I want a chance to prove that I'm not just an esports guy? I'm actually, you know, an innovation person and I can actually make and, and help and figure out new worlds and new environments and help to simplify them down for brand marketers and brand partners and stuff like that to be able to activate with. Yeah. 
Is it uncomfortable? Incredibly. <laughs> but that's what makes me feel good right now. That's what gets me up every day is being the dumbest person in the room by far in a lot of ways. And it's something that I think will benefit me long term. It might not, but I, I believe that the decision I made was much more about my future and my value and what I could learn and the, the new muscles that I could uh, work out than it was about continuing to be a one-trick pony in the world of, of esports. Uh, and I think that was what really kind of attracted me to come here and do that. Uh, it wasn't an easy decision. Uh, it's still not an easy sure. decision. But I think that, you know, I'm someone who struggles with incredible pre-buyer's remorse, where, like, I, I overstress about the decision before I make it. But once I make it, I feel incredibly uh, confident in that decision. Um, and so it's just one of those things like that's like, I, mean, I, I mean, if you talk to my wife before I made this decision, she would just be like, I don't even want to talk to him <laughs> because uh, he's, he's talking in circles. He's going all over the place. Um, and, 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 and I think, but once I made the decision, it was like, yes, this is the right decision. And now I feel great about it. I'm out there. I'm doing things. I'm learning all these great new innovation opportunities and seeing how the future can get built. Um, it, it's, it's really, really exciting. And I, I'm just, very thankful that Super Awesome, uh, you know, is going to kind of give me the opportunity to play a key role in trying to figure that out. I love that. I think it's it, it's so admirable. It's really, you know, it's brave. And I love the the way that you think about it. You know, I totally, you know, you 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 weigh it, you talk it, you, you talk it out, you talk it about with your wife, you talk it to death. But when you make that decision, you drive forward with everything. And, and I think that that's how you, you have to be. You can't look in the rear view mirror because it doesn't do you any good. Um, yeah. So, you know, uh, one of the things I wanted to, you know, I know you're helping to define this, but, you know, part of what Super Awesome does and what, I'm, what I'd like to do for folks at home is in what way, so how are they making the internet safer for young audience? Um, I know that part of what you're doing is figuring that out, but can you uh, add any context to, you know, the, the services that's provided or the work that's being done to help keep those kids safe in the internet and gaming? Yeah, I mean, I think it, it goes back to the important things of privacy and stuff like that. The internet was not built for young people. It was built for uh, data and information. And, and, and with that comes privacy, right? And there's a lot of just things that need to get changed. And we're seeing that with GDPR and with COPA. You know, there's a lot of emphasis on making sure that these these environments are safe for young people to interact and 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 have a good time and 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 be feel you know uh, empowered and excited. So I think that you know for for super awesome, you know, the KidAware product is an incredible thing that helps uh, brands and publishers and stuff like that make sure that they are in compliance, making sure that they're not tracking under 13s, making sure that they're not serving ads that are inappropriate. Um, all of those types of things are kind of their core business and what they have done and built over time. Uh, and they are truly experts in, in that space, uh, making sure that you understand exactly how advertising to a youth-oriented audience um, needs to be done uh, is great. Uh, they also are building incredible products that are, are, are just designed with those folks in mind. So things like Pop Jams, uh, PopJam is an incredible asset that is building community and value in safe ways. So having opportunities to game with your favorite creators or with your friends in private lobbies and private environments that are just set aside for those uh, those users to participate in, those are the types of things that allow uh, folks that are under 13, especially under 16, to be able to go and have an enjoyable environment. Um, they're also more simplified. So, you know, if you try to get on Discord, I mean, it's quite an adventure when you first get on Discord, try to figure out how it all works and comes together and, oh, yeah. you know, starting your own server and stuff like that. And so, you know, creating things that are more simplified, I think, is a really valuable area. But it really comes down to to, to privacy and, and data protection, I think, is the, is the biggest thing that Super Awesome is doing. And they're trying every day to work with more uh, publishers, more partners, uh, and just trying to understand all the rules and regulations, but also like what's right and what's good. 
Uh, and I, I find that incredibly refreshing where there's been many conversations already that I've been involved with where the, you know, the response is, yeah, but I, I'm not sure that's the right thing to do. And it's like, whoa, salespeople talking about morality. I love oh. it. I love it. Um, and so those are some of the big things that they're working on right now. And then and, and that stuff's going to carry over to the metaverse, right? So as we're building custom assets in Roblox, in Fortnite, in Minecraft, um, you know, how are we doing things the right way? How are we, you know, advertising the right products to young people? Uh, and how are we doing it in a safe and, and data protected measure? It's complicated, um, but it, it feels especially right when you see great executions happen. And I think that's the inspiring part of what they're trying to do. I love that. That's it's amazing. You know, and, and I think that one of the things that you said, like the, the, the internet was not built for kids. And that's like, you know, it was, it's so simple and so profound. Like, you know, a lot of parents are struggling with how does my kid interact with the internet? How does my kid interact with games? And I think that if you can go into it saying this ecosystem was not built for my kid and I need to help them navigate it, that's a very different uh, mindset, I think, than a lot of parents go into things where you know, you, you just assume that some of these protections are in place or, or you maybe just don't even know the right questions to ask. Um, I think that the intention behind Super Awesome is, is wonderful because it's all about intention. It, 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 the internet wasn't built for kids. And so here is a company who's trying to do that. And, and you could see the impacts of those decisions and how that ecosystem gets set up because it was set up that way from the beginning. Um, you know, on, on this small scale in, in our world, you know, we had a, a Super Smash Brothers local that we designed for kids. It was the first one in the DC Metro area that we got up there and we said, hey, this tournament series is for everybody. And so if you sit down next to a 10-year-old and they don't quite know what to do, it's on you to help them understand this world. When you probably beat them, it's on you to say, hey, good game. And here's a couple things that you could do next time. Like, this the the intention that we set with that uh, with our flex tournament series allowed it to be this thing that became so incredible for our community and i think that so many people are not um well now they are but unfortunately before they weren't building things for kids even though kids were playing video games and in these worlds so you know i i, I love that i think it's so powerful um and i also you know i want to be respectful of your time on the way out, I wanted to ask you, you know, kind of two questions. Um, one is, you know, what advice do you have for parents out there? You're a parent yourself. Um, you know, what is a, a piece or pieces of advice that you would have for parents? And then we'll kind of talk about young professionals. Yeah, uh, it's hard being a parent. Uh, and I think the pandemic has proven that it's even harder. Um, I, I stress every day about how much time my, my daughter spends in front of a uh, a screen and I'm very lucky she is an incredibly creative person and enjoys playing outside enjoy doing things so she gets a nice balance um, but you know I spend a lot of time trying to understand the, the ecosystems and the game worlds and environments that she wants to participate in and I would say to all parents it's you know you're not going to get it but there are resources on the internet. There are trusted publications and stuff like that that can give you advice. Um, all I would say is, you know, and, and again, I, I'm not going to tell people how to parent, but moderation is key with everything, whether it's, you know, food, whether it's uh, screen time, whether it's sports, um, you know, it's it, everything in moderation is good. And understand that high functioning adults will be expected to understand and to participate in the metaverse uh, and all of this type of, of digital lifestyle moving forward. So keeping them away from it is not going to be possible. Understanding <clears throat> what they're doing, how they're doing it, uh, who they're doing it with, uh, those are all just questions that you need to build trust on and build value in and, and be curious. It, it's the best advice I can give is, is to be curious into what your kids want to play, set the goals and, and have them explain to you what they're doing, why they're doing it, how they want to understand. Um, all of those things are, are really valuable as a parent in this space. Um, but also try to find ways that you can do things together. 
Uh, I've been really enjoying the fact that my daughter and I have a shared island in Animal Crossing New Horizons, and we work together to, you know, do our chores and 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 move the island forward and stuff like that. And it's a great way for us to keep each other involved. Um, but for me, I can I can kind of you know I can see what she's doing, I can see what she's up to, uh, but her and I can work together to make our island a great place that we're proud of, and that's a great way to be participatory in what we're doing together versus just hey sure go sit on the couch and and play whatever game you want. Uh, that would be my my biggest my second biggest advice is to to find ways that you can participate together and do things together um, with your kids because you'll find very quickly you'll start to understand the mechanics and the value and what they see from it, you know, and you might be surprised. You might learn a few a thing or two about what things you like to do uh, as well. Love that. I think, um, you know, one of the things I always say is, is, you know, if you're a parent and your kid's into theater, you get into theater. If your kid's into tuba, you get into tuba. If your kid's into gaming, it's on you to get into gaming. You have to help them understand and navigate these worlds. And so I, I think that, you know, not every game is that, you know, very intense first person shooter. Find something that, that is your speed. Animal Crossing, like you said, is a great option. Um, so, uh Last question for you before we send you on your way and get you off to enjoy your lovely Friday is, you know, what about young entrepreneurs out there? Um, what about young gamers, people who are looking to get into the industry? I know you get this at every panel and things like that, but um, wanted to go out with, um, you know, what advice do you have for those, those folks out there? I'll go back to my Bob Iger advice. And I will say that if you want to work in gaming and esports, don't, don't be narrow-minded in how you get into gaming and esports. Uh, if you ask Josh how he got into gaming and esports, um, <clears throat> it was not his intent. It was not where he started out. It was not the job that he took that got him into esports. Uh, it was actually for other things. I'm the same way. I never thought I'd get into esports. I never thought I would do this. Um, but if you want to work in gaming and esports, just understand that the industry is still incredibly new. It's still incredibly young. There's value. There are issues. There are things that are missing. And uh, young entrepreneurs can provide value and can build products that can help change the world, um, of, and especially this space. And so don't be afraid to do that. If you see a problem and you think you can solve it, go out there and do that. Go out there and solve that problem. You'd be surprised how many people will be enthusiastic, excuse me, to your call, to your uh, partnership, to all of those things. And it's really uh, a great way to move yourself ahead in the space in a really uh, high positive way, especially when, you know, you have nothing to lose. You're not, you know, you're not, uh, you know, a family with kids, car payments, mortgage payments, all that kind of stuff. Like, take those risks, do those things. Uh, also understand that gaming experience can be gotten very easily, right? Start a podcast, you can start writing articles, you can tweet about things. There's lots of ways for you to put yourself out there and to show value uh, that costs you almost nothing besides sweat equity. And it's really helpful to understand that and realize that there are lots of ways for you to get out there and push yourself. And it's better than ever before, right? 10 or 15 years ago, there were very few ways to get your voice heard. There were not these large social platforms like Twitter was still really young. You, you, know, you were looking at like LiveJournal, but like people would have to find your, your, your live journal in order to be able to actually understand. Now there's entire mediums and, and discovery platforms that are set up to help you become an expert or at least have you talk about it. That can lead to jobs, can lead to jobs very quickly. Um, so put yourself out there, talk to people. Um, I think esports is one of the most uh, open and inclusive communities in the business side. I think everybody is willing to have a conversation with you. It really just comes back to how do you react? How do you treat them after that? Do you bother them every week of like, hey, any, any jobs for me? Hey, any idea? It's like, if you use those conversations, you're polite, you're respectful, you build those relationships over time, you don't rely on them, but you use them. Um, I think you'll find that this industry is very achievable to get into. Just don't be narrow-minded of, oh, I have to work at Team Liquid or I have to work at Riot Games to be an esports. There's a lot of ways to get into esports, whether it's production, whether it's game design, whether it's marketing, whether it's sales. There are all facets of this ecosystem, and they're all over the place. And you've got professional and collegiate. You've got youth. 
there is a ton of ways to get into the space. And it's, it's the same way of saying, I want to get into sports, but the only way I'm into sports is by working with the NFL. That's a sure. very narrow-minded path that's going to lead you to frustration. If your goal is to work in the space, I promise you there are going to be opportunities. Look for them, connect with people, build your personal brand, and over time, that will pay incredible dividends to your career. But your career is not the next two years, the next five years, the next 10 years. It's the next 40 years. Unless you're like super successful and you, you know, cash out a huge IPO, then you retire at 20 or five or 30, whatever. That's great. But, and then hire us. Yeah. But that's, but that is, that to me is the most important. Like you don't define yourself now. Have ideas, have values, know where you kind of want to be, go from there. That's fantastic advice. Um, you know, Nate, you are, you are always at the forefront. You are always um, brilliantly articulate. And, and I always enjoy talking with you. You know, thank you so much for spending your morning with us and for your, your pearls of knowledge. Um, you know, obviously wish you the best. It's super awesome. And hopefully we'll be able to get you back here on in, in uh, you know, maybe a year or so, and we'll do a check-in and, and see what's going on then. But, you know, thank you so much for, for being with us. Absolutely, man. It'd be an honor and a privilege to come back anytime. Understanding Esports is brought to you by Game Gym. I also want to thank my producer, Zach Saleh, and our music was created by Steven Spector. Once again, you can learn more about Game Gym and our mission at www.gamegym.com, and you can hit me up and let me know your thoughts on the podcast on Twitter at Extra Barbecue. If you like the podcast, please share it, recommend it to your friends, gamers, parents of gamers, and their pets. I'm Josh, Extra Barbecue Hafkin. This is Understanding Esports, and we'll see you next week. Thank you.